Good morning, everyone. So good to see you. Welcome to Homecoming. My name is Don Doe. Some of you don't know me from John Doe, but I'm Don. Um, some of you know me as the holiday pastor because Pastor Allen used to have me come in every now and again when no one else wanted to speak on holidays and I would show up. Um, it's joy to be here with you. Um, but today I want to put a different hat on, maybe a couple different hats on. One other thing that I am is called a state pastor for our family of churches, the tribe of churches we call the Church of God in Arizona, about 25, 26 congregations. And my role is to come along and just encourage and support and help out <clears throat> with, um, with congregations, with churches, and with their pastors. So, <clears throat> consider yourself encouraged this morning. <laughs> I, I know this is not a holiday, so, you know, if you haven't heard, you're kind of in a transition time right now. And, um, and that's never an easy or, or a, a, you know, a, a fun time act necessarily. It's, it's, there's a lot of different emotions going on. There's some of you that are, are grieving and, and there's a sense of loss. There's, there's adjustment and change as is in the air. There's uncertainty of what's happening next. Where do we go next? What's going to... And so I just want to let you know um, you're going to get through this. It's, it's not um, an easy road, but it's a road that God's going to use. And, and I want to call you to do a couple different things that I think will make a difference. One, I know you've already had the challenge to pray. And I can't tell you enough how important it is to pray and pray and pray and pray during this time. Pray for the church. Pray for the staff. Pray for the leaders. Pray for the pastor that, that God's going to bring in. Um, pray for yourselves. As you, uh, as you go through this process. Because here's what I so often see happen. And, and even though this is not a, a fun time, it's, it's a significant time. Because it's during transition times like this, God works sometimes in the most unbelievable ways. In you as an individuals and as a church and a, as a whole. So I'd, I'd start by drawing a circle around you. If you've gone to marriage Mondays, you draw a circle around you. And focus your prayers right there inside that circle. God, change what's inside this circle. Because you'll find during this time, God wants to do something in you. Maybe build your faith, increase your trust level, humble you, make you more dependent on him, grow you up like Christ. He's got, he's got something in mind for you. Because in doing that, he has something in mind for this church. That the season ahead of ministry may be the same, it may be different, it may be, it may be better, it may be worse. I don't, I don't know what it's going to look like, but I tell you this, it's not out of God's grand economy of what this church is going to be and what it's going to look like. So his presence is so important through prayer. If nothing else, recognize this. Every time you walk in the door, you don't have to invite God to be in this place. He's already here, and he's waiting He's waiting for you. So not only his presence, but to be patient during this time as well. Doesn't that sound fun? Be patient. Everybody has a timeline. Everybody has an agenda. Some of you want snap your fingers and, and, and you know, we want to pastor tomorrow. Give us a new pastor tomorrow. And others are saying, well, we need to wait until what. Just be patient. Be patient um, with the leaders as they go through this process. And be patient with with the process, 
Because here's what I, I could tell you. If you had a pastor just walk in tomorrow, say, here's our new pastor, <clears throat> um, it probably wouldn't be a good thing. One, God needs to work on that pastor's life, his or her heart, and, 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 and put a burden for Mountain Park on that. That's going to take a little bit of time for that calling to come through. And you're not ready yet to just snap your fingers and have a new pastor. God needs to do something in you first. He needs to do something in this church to prepare the way for what the future is. The Bible says wait on the Lord. Wait on him. Wait on him. What happens? He renews your strength. And you mount up with wings of eagles. So, state pastor hat off. Another hat I'm going to put on, which I've been invited to do for a while, is to help out on the teaching team in this interim time. So you're stuck with me for a little bit. Sorry about that. But you, you get, you know, I... Um, in that process, I'm excited to be able to, to just share God's word with you and, and um, to join in with the staff as, as we go through this journal. So hopefully, you've picked up a journal. $10 on the way out. You could even get up now and get one if you want. The theme of this journal is hope. I mean, is that a great, <laughs> is that a great theme or not? Hope. We all need hope. And in the next few weeks... We're going to dig deep into what that hope is all about. And so each week, the very first lesson is, is what, the very first scripture is what we'll talk about on Sunday. And then Monday through Friday, you have scriptures, there's prayer, there's, there's group questions. It's a great journey. I'm going to be journeying through this, and I hope you'll, you'll join in and journey with us. And so if you have it, the, the very first uh, week, the theme is wholehearted. And here's the verse of scripture out of Proverbs, the fourth chapter, verse 23. It says, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Above all else, guard your heart. Out of your heart, everything flows. And be wholehearted. Guard it. Look at it. Diagnose it. Tweak it. <laughs> check it. Surrender it. To the point where you are wholehearted. Wholehearted. In your commitment to Jesus. Sometimes you get a question like, what's, what's, what's the church want from me? I mean, what's, what's the expectations of a church? What, what's the expectations of a pastor for a church? Is it um, that I come to church more often? Is it that I give you know, a little more generously? Is it I serve somewhere? Is it um, I... I, I I try to cut out my sins, so at, least, at least the big ones. You know, we got the little ones all right, but the big ones, the severe sins. What, what is it? What's God require of me? What, God, what does he expect? What's the church expect? I, I would say probably all that fits in there somewhere. But above all else, wholehearted, 100% commitment to Jesus is what we want from you. Above all else. Check your heart. It's so easy to get diverged and, di and distracted and to, to, to find it chasing after other things and to find it broken and cracked. And, bro and before long, your heart is, is being held from, from the heart of Jesus. And, and we want your whole heart to follow Jesus, first and foremost.
All the other things come after that. Once your heart is given over to him, then you, you offer yourself to him with that, with that wholeheartedness. I will, I will love you. I will honor you. I will serve you. I will, I will give my life. I lay my life before you, my decisions, my relationships, my work, my, my values, my choices, all before you, my time, my talent, my resources. You have my heart. Did some study in this summer about some Old Testament kings. There's good kings and bad kings, and the, the nation of Israel reflects good and bad leadership. All the good kings, it says after them, there's like seven or eight of them. They did uh, what, what was right in, in the eyes of God. They followed what was right in the eyes of God and listed all the way through them. Then there's one guy um, in 2 Chronicles. His name is Amaziah. It says he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord but not wholeheartedly. It's like a little asterisk that comes onto him. Here's a guy, he did what was right, but not wholeheartedly. What a, what a shame it would be in our lives if we did all the right things, just not wholeheartedly, just half-heartedly. I'd rather be like the King, King David who had a heart for God Passion for God, sold out for God, wholehearted for God. He wasn't perfect by any means, but his heart was intent on God. All the difference in the world when the people of God, you, give your whole heart to him. Today we're going to be talking a little bit about the future and what, what, our, what our mission statement as a church is. And up on the screen, you'll see it's on your little pieces of paper that you received when you came in here. It's, it's about inviting the distracted and the disinterested to realize their story and the role, their role in God's story. To realize their role in God's story. You've heard that before. Some of us have t-shirts that have that very thing on there. That's basically a, a modern version of the Great Commission. When Jesus told his disciples, hey, go, make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to, to obey my commands. And here's the promise. I'll be with you always. I'll be with you always. As long as we keep God's mission our mission, that promise comes true. I'll be with you always. I don't want to take you back quite as far to the Great Commission, but take you back to the beginning of this church. I don't know if any of you were here. I know some people in the first service were here from from those early days in 1987 when this church got started. Have you ever heard the story of all this? Pretty amazing, really. It was, it was trying to fulfill the Great Commission. A pastor in one of our churches up north, North Hills, um, went to a, a conference and, and he was convinced God loves lost people. And if God loves lost people, we ought to love lost people. And the best way to reach lost people, plan a new church. And so he started to seek out a way to do that. He got acquainted with a guy named Robin Wood, who he knew from his past. And he went to Robin and he said, Robin, would you be willing to spend about three or four years and pray about possibly coming and planting a church in the Phoenix, Arizona area? Okay, I'll plant it. Robin says, I never gave it another thought. I had three or four years to pray. When Dave Sebastian went back, came back to Phoenix, after that conversation, he said, I found the guy. Somebody in this church stands up and says, I will, 
I will give a commitment of $100,000 to make this happen. So he calls Robin back up. Not three or four years, three or four weeks. Can you be out here? We're getting going. And Robin goes, I haven't even prayed about it yet. That's okay. We're going to make this thing happen. God loves lost people. And it matters to us as well. They went to a conference in Anderson, Indiana, the Anderson University, this old gymnasium, about eight, 900 people. And they were talking about church planting. And there was a, a guy named Norm Wan who, uh, who presented this unbelievable concept. And he had a video of, of churches that are being planted that start out with 200 or more people. Back in those days, that was unheard of. And his little program was called This Phone's For You. And here was the basic idea. Make 20,000 phone calls, 2,000 people will respond positive, and you'll start with 200 people. Now, 800 people, 900 people, 898 people walked out of that thing going, that's the most crazy idea I've ever heard in my life. Two men, when the lights came back on after the video, had tears running down their eye, their credit card out to buy this program, and it was Dave Sebastian and Robin Wood. Robin came to Phoenix, moved his family, talked to 90 people. Six of them said, we're in wholeheartedly. We'll help you make these phone calls. Six out of 90. Gave him some reinforcements from North Hills and from other friends. And for six and a half weeks that summer, they made 23,000 phone calls. If you go to church, nice talking to you, sorry. We're interested in the distracted the disinterested, we're interested in lost people because God's interested in you. 2,300 people said, send me more information. In October 1987, at Pueblo Middle School, at 9.55 a.m., the doors are, are open, they're waiting, ready for people just to flow in, and they look out over the crowd, and there's 22 people there. Most of them are phone callers. Robin walks out the back door and he's going like, oh man, what in the world? What have I got myself into? And he started to see cars starting to pull in the parking lot one by one. And pretty soon there was a line backed up. And according to him, there was over 300 people that walked in that first day. Twelve of them gave their hearts to Christ for the very first time. And Mountain Park was birthed out of the Great Commission, out of distracted disinterested people finding their role wholeheartedly following Jesus they went from there from Pueblo Middle School to Mountain Point High School they had a big prayer time 10 days of fasting and prayer repenting God brought the church together 70 people gave commitments and money to raise $780,000 which was to help start to build the building on a land on, on a 24th Street in Pecos that was basically donated with a little quasi thing of about 25 years. You're going to have the freeway come through this, but here, put that in there. And they began where may, perhaps many of you came on the scene in the story. Of course, Alan Fuller was the pastor there, did a magnanimous job of when the freeway comes through, moving to this beautiful place. Investing himself here. The, the role of, of Mountain Park in the, in the kingdom of God and in this valley has been immense. Churches have been planted out of here, supported out of here. 
Honduras. Just take Honduras. Not only thousands of people receiving clean, clear water on a daily basis because of the, the investment here. But out of El Progreso Church, four more churches planted in Honduras, two in Nicaragua. The role of, of Mountain Park is not only huge in the area, it's, it's worldwide. The story of Mountain Park goes on and on and on. And as I look to the future, I don't know exactly what it looks like. I don't know exactly how we're going to get there. This I'll tell you. The purposes of God have not changed. And God's hand on Mountain Park has not changed. And the mission of Jesus when he gives to his people is the same mission he gave to you. It's the same mission you embrace now. And his, pro his promise is, I'll be with you through that. And we're, when, we're, when we're wholeheartedly given over to the person of Jesus and to his mission, I could take a bold statement. I don't, know I don't know any reason to say this other than wholehearted people given wholeheartedly to the mission of God. The most significance, the most effectiveness, some of the best days ever are still in your future. Not because I have such great confidence in you. I have a lot of confidence in the God who's called you because he has a story that's bigger than all of us and we get to be a part of it. What's that look like? Pastor Jan's going to come and give you a little more details on that. Let's welcome Pastor Jan. How many of you are glad to be stuck with Pastor Don? We, we are so glad you're here, Don and Lori. Thank you so much. And we, we are grateful that we get to share this journey with you. Well, hey, Mountain Park, my name's Jan. Uh, if I don't know you, I'm one of the pastors here. Hello to those of you who are watching online. Don got to share some of the history of Mountain Park. So if you're brand new, guess what? You know the whole story now. Um, you got a nice little history lesson. And Don also got to talk about the heart of Mountain Park, which is that mission statement of inviting the distracted and the disinterested to realize their role in God's story. This is our heartbeat. And, and what I get to talk about now is a little bit of the circulation system and, and the bones and the muscles and, and how that heart is then expressed. And if you're like me, you're going to love today. If you're, my wife says, if you ask me what time it is, I'll tell you how the watch works. So if that's you, if you like knowing the how and the why, you're going to love today. Some of you today, you're going to be like, can you just bring Don back up and let him tell me more stories? <laughs> um, so, so to help as we, as we walk through some of the nuts and bolts of what it looks like for us, uh, we're going to do audience participation. So uh, in your bags, you got one of these cards. And uh, if you can't find it in your bag, it should be in the seat back in front of you, one of the seat backs. If you are at home or online, then uh, you can just draw this. Grab a pen and paper. You got a little time. Grab some pen and paper right now. And you can just begin drawing this basic diagram right there. There are pens in the seat backs as well if you need those. And we're going to fill this out together. And as we do, we're going to see how everything that Mountain Park does, everything that we do is all focused on that one target, realizing your role in God's story. Everything we do here at Mountain Park is designed to help us 
realize our role in God's story. So we're going to walk through that and see how that works today. Uh, you'll see on there at the beginning, oh, you can go back up there, at the, at, the, uh, at the center of that is realize your role in God's story. So what is my role in God's story? How do we know when someone is realizing their role in God's story? How do we measure if we're realizing our role in God's story? How do we do that? Well, we've, we've identified nine basic, nine essential roles for, for people to be wholehearted in, in their devotion to God, as Don was talking about. That, that if we are wholehearted in our devotion to God, there are nine essential identities that we walk out as followers of God. And, and there are many other roles we walk out as well, husband or Bible teacher, but these are essential and they're universal. And I know you may not be able to see them, so I'm going to go through them. There's some, and I'm going to go to the orange section first. Uh, the first one there is patient, that we recognize that we are broken that there's something wrong inside of us, and the Bible calls that sin. And so we have, to, we have to commit ourselves to the great physician, and we trust Jesus with our hearts and our lives and say only you can make us whole, can take our brokenness and weave something beautiful out of it. And then the second one, if there was follower, that, that, that we are all in, and, and we pursue his presence and we prioritize his word, and we align our lives with his loving leadership. And then the third one is worshiper, that we give God our full attention and we root ourselves in his goodness. And then onto the yellow ones, that we are grace givers, that we extend to people the same grace that Jesus has extended to us. And I know we could do like whole sermon series on each one of these, but, but these, are, these are these nine rules we've identified. Uh, a truth teller, we tell the truth about who God is, about who we are, about who each other is. And sometimes that truth is really encouraging. And sometimes that truth makes us really vulnerable. And sometimes that truth is really challenging, but we're truth tellers. And, and then we are people lovers, that we, we are willing to inconvenience ourselves in order to build relationships, to initiate and strengthen relationships with other people. And then giver, that we are generous with our finances, that we know that's a way to tangibly put our trust in God, to invest in the things. We know that everything we have belongs to God, and so we invest in what matters to him. But we don't just give of our finances. We're also servants, which means we give of our time and our talent, and we prioritize others. We meet the physical, emotional, and spiritual needs of other people. And in doing so, we're not just doing good deeds. We're actually expressing the rule and reign of Jesus as we do that. And then we're witnesses. And maybe not all of us are gifted as evangelists, but all of us can stand up and testify about what we have seen God do and how he has worked in our lives. So these are the, the nine essential roles that all of us play. And, and, and if you ever want to look at this, we've got this broken down in a chart that's got bunches of scriptures for each one of those and all of those things. And we'd love, it just won't all fit on the screen at one time. Um, but there's also in our journal, as Don referenced, if you look in our journal, you'll see the nine roles in there along with a, a scripture to go with each one. So I want to pause here for a second, and I just want to ask you, what does this mean to you? Because this is the part where everybody's eyes start to glaze over. It's like there's all this information, I'm filling all this stuff in, and we're going to do more of that. But I want to stop for a second. What does this mean to you? So do me a favor and close your eyes. If you're online, close your eyes for a second. When was a time when you were invited to realize your role in God's story? When was the time 
when you responded to that invitation with faith. Maybe it was the first time you gave your life to Christ and you realized he loved you with an eternal, everlasting love. Maybe it was the moment of your baptism when you went under the water and came back saying, I love Jesus. Maybe it was the time you, for the first time, stepped into the role of giver. Or the first time you stepped into the role of servant. Maybe it was the first time God said, raise your hands in worship. And what impact did that have on your life? What's your story? Go ahead and open your eyes. I just want you to write a keyword. Write one word on that paper that represents that time in your life, that time when you were invited to realize your role in God's story. Maybe you just write baptism. Maybe you just write confession. But what was that time that you realized your role in God's story? And what impact did it have? Now, 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 now I want you to do something else. Because it's not just about us. It's also about others. So think, I want you to write the name down of one to three people. You can just be one person. If you have more than one, that's great. Who you have personally seen realize their role in God's story. Someone who you saw God invite them to something. And again, maybe it was their baptism. Maybe it was them coming to Christ. Maybe it was them stepping into a role of volunteering. Dwayne shared last week about how someone invited him to a role of serving. What a difference it made. Write their names down. Go ahead, write, write it down. And the reason why I'm having you do this is to remember that the things we're talking about are not just programs. It's not just strategy. This is life change. This is the kingdom of God. And we talk about this circle and all these things here. This is the kingdom of God expressing itself and people giving their hearts more wholeheartedly, giving their hearts, devoting more of their hearts to God as they're invited to realize their role in his story. It's so important. This is the most important thing we can do with our lives is, is realize our role and then turn around and invite others to realize their role. So how, how do we do this? How do we do this as a church? Well, um, uh, we have, if you look at the life of Jesus, we look. there's lots of ways to break this down, but we look at the life of Jesus in the New Testament and we say there are three main pathways. That's why there's three colors. <gasps> three main pathways for spiritual growth and discipleship to happen as we look at the life of Jesus. And you get to fill this in as we, as we write it down. So each of these colors represents one of those pathways. The orange is what we call make a memory. That's what we call make a memory. And basic idea is that everywhere he went, Jesus created moments of spiritual significance that transformed people for the rest of their lives. That he made memories that changed their identity and affected how they made decisions. In fact, this is what we actually have in the New Testament, in the, in the Gospels. This is what the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John actually are. That these disciples, they walked with Jesus, Jesus made memories, and then they wrote them down so that we could read them. And I think it's phenomenal that we have the Sermon on the Mount. How many of you read the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew? Okay, that's not a short sermon, is it? But they wrote it down word for word. When's the last time you could write a sermon word for word? Jesus made a memory. He taught in such a significant way that people wrote it down. When people were referring 2,000 years ago, he made memories. Number two, we make a friend. That Jesus, he didn't just tell his followers what to do. He cultivated a community of disciples who lived out their faith in the context of authentic 
caring, loving, truth-telling relationships. And you see that when you read about the disciples, both in, in the Gospels and in the book of Acts. And you see at the end of Jesus' ministry in John 15, he says, I no longer call you servants, I call you my friends. And then, in, and then number three, make a difference. So we call make a difference. You see that outside. This is why we do Honduras. This is why we do a lot of things. Because we know that in his actions and in his words, Jesus made it clear that we are called to express his love in tangible ways. That the world should be a better place because we are in it. Our neighbors, our community should be a better place because we are meeting the spiritual, emotional, physical needs of other people around us. So there's our three makas, as we call them. And, 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 and those are tied to each of those roles. So when we walk out our role as a patient, we make memories. I don't know if you've had that experience, but if we come to God and we say, God, God, I'm broken, and I need your forgiveness, and I need your help. He comes and he meets us, and we make a memory with him. When we worship him, when we follow him, when we take a step of obedience, we make a memory with him. When we act, take on our role and walk out our identity as grace giver, tooth tellers, and people lovers, we end up making friends. It happens. When we walk out our role as givers, servers, servants, and witnesses, we make a difference. So all these are tied together. And then each one of those blocks, so each color is a make, and each one of those blocks represents something we do at, at this church. And we call these, on staff, we call these rooms. Okay? Each one of those big blocks is a room. This is a space where people can come over and over again into this room and they can make a memory or they can make a difference or they can make a friend. These, these ministries, these rooms that we have, I don't mean physical rooms, but, but what I'm talking about is so on, on, on under the make a memory, our worship services, they're a place you can come every week and you can make a memory. Every week you can come and you can, you can be a patient, a follower, a worshiper, on Sunday mornings. You can go to the journal, uh, those journals that we have, and, and hopefully you can grow in your, in your uh, role as a worshiper, as a follower of God. And then uh, make a friend. That's why we have groups and classes and gatherings so that we can come together and walk out our roles and make a friend. And then make a difference, which is serving and giving, but, but really uh, the words that I use are missions, ministry, and outreach, MMO, or mom, hey, M-O-M. Missions, ministry, and outreach. So we have mission trips, we have outreach, and we have ministries here in the church, children's ministries and, 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 and student ministries. And when you give to, serve in, or witness through one of those ministries, you are making a difference. So these are the rooms in our church, these are the spaces in our church where these things happen, and we're intentional about making sure that they happen. So now, you can actually do the makas probably in each of those different rooms. You can, you can probably come on a Sunday morning into this service and learn about making a difference, but the primary way you're going to actually make a difference is by outgiving and serving and witnessing. So those are the main venues where those things happen. Now I get to talk about the part that's actually really exciting to me, which is this con the concept and the imperative of movement. Do you ever notice that Jesus came, when he talks about why he came, he makes it clear he came to move people. He came to move them from lost to what? Found. From slave to free. 
from blind to seeing, from insecure to secure, from outsider to insider. Jesus came so that people would move. And so all that we do, we're designed, these, these rooms that we have are designed to move people. That when you come on Sunday morning, that the more you come on Sunday morning, the more you walk out your role as a worshiper. The more you engage in community, the more deeper you walk out your role as a truth teller. And if you engage in community, you're going to eventually rub up against the challenge of being a truth teller in a really difficult situation. And you're going to have to grow in that role. And so we're designed to move people. And, and so there are two ways that we want to move people. The one is the first, the obvious one, the first I just referenced. It is moving people deeper into their roles. Okay, and, and we talk about this at staff, that our year, our word for this year is movement. So you'll see these arrows. You can just draw little arrows on yours. That, that we want, as people who want to be wholehearted in our devotion to God, we move deeper into our roles. But we don't want to just move deeper. We also have to do another type of movement. Because can we be honest and say that our tendency and a lot of our tendency is to go to one of those rooms, right? That, that we know to fully realize our role in God's story, we want to be walking out all those makeups. We want to be in all of those ministry rooms. But it's so easy to pick one and just live there. It's so easy to say, yeah, I'm going to come on Sunday morning, and this is my room. This is my ministry room. I'm going to come Sunday morning, and I'm going to grow as a patient worshiper and follower. And that's what I'm doing, and that's my church experience. And actually, it might seem odd to us, but I also know people who say, the make a difference one, I'm really comfortable in. Yeah, I, I'm comfortable. I'm going to go to service projects. Sunday morning, I'm going to go one out of every eight. But I'm really comfortable in the make a difference room. I'm going to go there. And what we've realized as a church, what we know when we look at the life of Jesus, is we have to walk out all of those roles to fully realize our role in God's story. So our question is, how do we move people between rooms? So let me ask you, how do you get from one room to another? You have to go through a what? A hallway, right? A hallway. So we talk about this as staff. So we've got ministry hallways that we've created. You can just draw little hallways on your diagram in between each of those. We'll bring it up on a slide here in a second. And, and you see little footsteps going from each into the other. Because we think we want to be intentional about if anyone comes and makes a memory, we want to be intentional about encouraging them to move into making a friend and making a difference. And if everybody comes and makes a difference with us, we want to be intentional about moving them and encouraging them to make a friend and make a memory. And if anybody comes and makes a memory with us, we want to be intentional about moving them to making memories and making a difference with us so that we can fulfill all nine roles and truly realize our role in God's story. Are you still with me? You know how the watch works now. So this is, this is um, how we go about that process of inviting the distracted and the disinterested to realize their role in God's story. And so this is why on Sunday morning we'll do things like do a teaching on, or this is why we do group up. Brandon was talking about group up next week. Why? It's, it's, it's a hallway. People aren't going to go back to that uh, group up over and over again, but it's a way to move them from making a memory into making a friend. That's why we talk about making a difference. Well, we'll have, a, we'll have um, jump in Sundays to move people because we're going to be a church that's walking out all of those roles. That's our goal. So um, some of you are, how many of you are numbers people? 
We have some numbers people in the audience. Um, uh, not everybody's a numbers person, but for some of the number, you numbers people, we, do, we try and track this. We try and measure this and say, how are we doing it actually inviting people into all of these roles? And so right now, at the end of June 2021, we had 68 people that we knew, and there may be more, but 68 that we knew through our database and other information that we knew were walking out in some way all three of those rooms. They were, they were participating in worship services. They were making friends in community and groups. And they were making a difference as a giver and a servant. There are 60 people, and that's given COVID and everything, that's pretty good. But we know that God wants us to move more and more. Wants more people to move across into those rooms. So our goal in this next year is to have 150. That's more than double. That, 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 and we believe that, as Don said, that, that God can do that, that God can do it immeasurably more. I actually think that, that God could make this number 300. That he could make a 600. God can do tremendous things. But we're saying, hey, if we can get 150 people to fully engage in all three of those rooms, man, what might God do through that? Think about that for a second. This is totally achievable, by the way, because we have uh, almost 300 people in groups. So to get a third of those 300 people in groups to start plugging into serving and giving, we get 150 really fast. So Don asked you guys to pray. Now you got something you can pray for. You can pray for a lot of things, but something really specific, 150 people, God, that's what we're praying for. And maybe God, in three months, I'll be standing back up here saying, hey, guess what? We have 150. Let's make it 300. So this journey that we're on of being wholehearted followers of, of God, it's a journey we take step by step, one step at a time. So my question for you as we wrap up is just what's your next step? What's your next step in this journey to being a wholehearted follower of Jesus? Is there a role that God is calling you to step into? Is God calling you to invite someone else to step into a role? What's your next step in this journey? I'm going to pray, and when I'm done praying, there's going to be a prayer team up here. And, and they would love to pray over if you. If, if God puts something on your heart and you're saying, hey, uh, I know I'm called to step into this, there's something powerful about telling that to someone and letting them pray over you. And so they'll be up here. And if you're not sure, you're like, I don't know what my next step is, they'd love to pray over you as well. Let's take some time to pray. God, we thank you for the opportunity to come and hear from you. We thank you that we get to share this time together, that God, you have called each person. Maybe it's their first day ever at Mountain Park, and they're like, well, this is different. Maybe it's people who've been here for years, God. You have put us together at this time for a purpose. So I pray that you would help us to love you well, to love each other well, that our light, that your light would so shine to the community of Phoenix and throughout the world through our love for you and one another that people would come and be transformed by your love and your grace. Jesus, we pray this so that you are glorified in us and through us. Amen.